0: Listening to "My Mother Is a Robot," a Magic Bean podcast, episode three: The Paper Towel Princess. Sunday morning meetings at the Rodney Kingdom Hall are by far the worst. Tuesday night meetings are the most tolerable because we have them at Brother Uptogrove's house. We get to take off our shoes and sit on couches instead of welded metal-framed chairs. Tuesday meetings are a whole hour shorter, and no one really makes a fuss if I sit with my legs curled up underneath me. Afterward, our host puts out cookies, tarts, and cakes, of which I'm allowed to have one, but no more. Brother Optigrove, who is in his 80s, sips on wine, and Doris M., my mother, has nothing at all. Thursday night meetings take place at the hall and are long and mostly boring. However, sometimes talks are given by younger publishers and are exciting only because they are usually very nervous. I share their nervousness from my seat. I know it well. Getting up in front of the entire congregation is a mixture of exhilaration and anxiety. Our presentations are judged on a number of criteria, and I find it interesting to observe how others handle the pressure. Otherwise, Thursday night meetings are tedious, but Sunday morning meetings I dread the most. Arriving at the hall before the song and prayer commences is very important. Families who do not arrive on time are expected to sit in the last two rows of seats, which are kept empty to ensure the congregation is not distracted by latecomers. This doesn't work very well, though, because people invariably turn around to see who is late anyway. Are they the same family who was late last week? Do they look disheveled to you? Have they been arguing? Just why are they late? I know Doris M does not want to be looked at. Therefore, we are never late. Last summer, my brother and I were given an above-ground pool so we would spend more time exercising. We were very grateful to have it and used it nearly every day. It measured three feet deep and eight feet across. It was cool on hot days and fun for splashing around in. What it was not was an effective means of weight loss. At the time, Robert, age 12, and myself, age 8, were both noticeably overweight children. Before that, we were given slim, fast diet shakes, and before that, worked out to the televised and ever so slightly sexualized exercise program known as the 20 minute workout. All right, everyone, now keep those knees high and press. And four. And three. Keep smiling. Two more. And one. Good job. Jeremy, who was around my age, was the only other child in our congregation that was overweight. One afternoon, he and his older brother, Nathan, were allowed to play over at our house and stay for dinner. I'd always known Nathan to be a bully, and he didn't pull any punches when it came to his little brother's weight problem. I also expected to be caught in the crossfire of a fat joke, and I was prepared for it. Besides, I thought Nathan was stupid. But it wasn't until later, after they had left, that I was caught completely off guard. And it was by Doris M. "'Did you see how much butter that little pig put on his bread?' she asked. I shook my head no. But I had noticed.' It was hard not to after she moved the butter dish clear out of Jeremy's reach to the opposite end of the table. That's why he's so fat, disgusting. He won't be having dinner here again. We can't afford the butter. It was the most hurtful thing I'd ever heard her say about another person from our congregation. Don't get me wrong. She was constantly critical of worldly people, but we all were because worldly people were bad and immoral. Doris M. simply didn't like Jeremy because he was fat. In that moment, my feelings about myself and my body took a turn for the worse. child is born, to us a son is given, and the government... Today's talk is entitled, Safeguarding Your Heart, or something like that. I'd been fidgeting in my seat and earned a few stern looks from Doris M for the majority of it. We were running behind this morning, and I neglected to put on a pair of tights so the crinoline from my dress was making my legs feel itchy. I needed to distract myself. Though we were not in the late seats, we were still close to the back of the hall, so I used my vantage point to kill some time people-watching. The Lord himself will give you Timothy, a the boy I've had a crush on, has a habit of clenching his jaw. Sometimes I watch the muscles move under his cheeks as if I'm close enough, but not today. He's an elder's son, and the families of elders usually sit close to the front of the hall. I don't know why this is, for sure, but I suspect that it's because they are better than us somehow. The elders' kids don't really talk to kids like Robert and I. Our friends are the ones who don't dress very well, who arrive at the hall in older cars and live in smaller houses and have dads that don't come to meetings. I was lost in my thoughts on this when my stomach started to growl. At least one person nearby turned to look at me, then at my mother then back to me before finally returning their attention to the platform. Attracting the attention of a fellow congregant from noises coming from my body was the most mortifying thing that could happen. Doris M. seemed to think this as well because her elbow gave me a hard nudge. But then it happened again, and louder. Beyond embarrassed, I pushed hard on my stomach with my folded arms in an attempt to cover the sound. Luckily, the rustling of the entire congregation getting to their feet for the mid-meeting song saved me from further humiliation. Stay awake, stand firm, grow mighty confidently rang out over the speakers. Though it was one of my favorite songs, it was also one of the shortest, and my stomach still wanted to be heard. I had to get out of there. My head down, to avoid the eyes of others, I excused myself and headed for the exit of the hall. It took four days to build the Rodney Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I was there for much of it. Passing bricks down the line, handing out cold drinks, and making sandwiches were some of my volunteer responsibilities. I didn't mind being there. It was actually quite exciting. We still had to attend the scheduled meetings at a temporary halt, but at least we didn't have to go out in field service, and I got to wear pants. I wish I was wearing pants right now, but at least in here, I can sit with my legs tucked under me and not be scolded for being disrespectful in Jehovah's house. This room was integrated into the women's washroom as a place for mothers to nurse and quiet their crying babies. It has a baby changing counter and a large comfortable rocking chair complete with floral cushions. What it doesn't have are any babies. I think about the lack of babies as I move the hardly malleable mass from cheek to molars and bite again. Timothy's older sister, Jenny, recently got married. She'll likely have the next baby, but she moved to her husband Derek's congregation. I really liked Jenny. She was a truly nice person who never acted better than anyone, even though she was an elder's daughter. I swallow the morsel and take another bite. 85, a couple named Harvey and Marilyn Diamond published a diet book entitled Fit for Life. The diet was based on the idea of consuming compatible food groups in order to encourage health, weight loss, and disease prevention. The cover of the book is bright and depicts a diverse array of colorful fruits and vegetables. The smiling faces of both authors are portrayed next to the red block capital letters of the title five years after its publication the fit for life book would find its way into my mother's hands and become our family's food bible within a short period of time the recommendations set out in the book became strict eating laws in our home we were no longer allowed to drink milk or consume dairy at all it wasn't even kept in the house unless my mother was making a trifle for a special occasion i sort of understood why We weren't cows, after all, but I really missed cheese and sour cream. Water was not to be taken with any meal, which didn't bother me because it was, well, water. But things got a little more confusing when terms like dead and live foods were brought up. Something to do with enzymes, I think. Carbohydrates were not to be eaten with proteins, not ever, because they would rot in your stomach, Doris M. says that animal proteins are by far the most expensive, so I understand when they get significantly scaled back. It wasn't a secret that we didn't have very much money, but vegetables were always safe, especially when the good stuff wasn't destroyed by cooking them. I may not have understood the science of eating this way, but they were the rules in our house. I didn't like them, but I followed them. I didn't like wearing skirts to meetings either, but those were the rules in Jehovah's House, which also could not be questioned. Did I mention we only eat raw fruit for breakfast? My stomach still feels empty, but at least it's no longer vocalizing itself. How long have I been in here? My guess is about ten minutes based on the remainder of uneaten paper towel in my hand. I decide to finish this sheet and half of one more before returning to my seat in the Kingdom Hall. I've hid in the nursing mother's room for up to 20 minutes on previous occasions. Sometimes I say I need to go number two or my stomach hurts. It's not always a lie. It is painful to be hungry, not to mention embarrassing, and eating the paper stops it. Just to be on the safe side, I bow my head as I continue nibbling. Dear Heavenly Father Jehovah, please forgive me for not being in the hall right now. I don't want to make anyone mad with me and I'm trying not to be disruptive. Please help me be a better servant to you and worship you for all you've done for us. Forgive me for taking Jason Willett's pepperoni stick from his lunch at recess last week. I don't know why I did it. I won't do it again. I ask your help in having more self-control. Thank you for my family and the congregation and for your wisdom and guidance. I ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Less than a year after the Fit for Life diet book was published, it was deemed by accredited nutritionists as pure quackery. The fad diet was known to lead to deficiencies in vitamins B12, D, calcium, zinc, and iron. Harvey and Marilyn Diamond were both advocates for the natural health movement, which has been referred to as a cult with roots as far back as the 1850s. Iron and zinc deficiencies have been linked to the disorder known as PICA, a compulsion to eat non-food items, paper hand towels ranking high on the list. Fortunately, this habit lasted only a few months, and no one ever knew. Confident that both my hunger and guilt are adequately addressed, I depart from the comfort of the rocking chair. My dress is wrinkled from sitting like a tomboy, so I smooth it with my hands while I listen at the door. My exit strategy includes ensuring no one else is in the washroom when I emerge. Getting caught hanging out in a room I had no business being in would warrant having all future bathroom privileges revoked. No running water or footsteps to be heard, I exit into the corridor of the ladies' restroom. To buy myself a few more seconds and one more bite, I walk to the sink and wash my hands while working the last of my emergency snack down with a final swallow. Wiping away the drips of water from around the sink, I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and pause at the realization that, yes, I do look like I've lost some weight. Magic Bean would like to thank satunamen.com, benpm.github.io, Goran Andrick, Milton Parades, and Jordi Van Bergel. We'd also like to thank Speedy Gonzo, TM1000, PSOVOD, Nicholas three seven nine nine, and Acclivity of freesound.org.